0: my wife has already referred to the two of you as my dm wives that mm. i uh, that i go and visit twice that I have visitation with twice a, a week at the minimum
1: troy i've always wanted to be a sister wife with you so now yeah that dream well, reality. Is.
2: why can't yeah. we be co-husbands
0: i sure i
1: don't know because i
0: hit john ask her man you're asking the, the wrong right person right here. here like well, let, me, yeah. let me go get her really quick i'll be right back
2: okay yeah. oh shit he's not coming back we're done <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to the Bite-Sized Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up a buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach, and the hosts joining me this evening, as per usual, are the Dapper DM, Troy Sandlin. Hello. <laughs> Bam. All right, cool. Follow that up. Uh, follow that up, Dwarven DM, John Christian. Lolly ho. I had to I try. trying to go going, like
2: sh- on the
0: other end of the spectrum on that you're one. Still
2: going with that
0: that lollipop. Yeah, thing. I mean that's like well, my like. It's a thing like- in the house now. We like they. I'm greeted with that by Gabriel
1: every once in a while, and I love it. So.
0: Well,
2: yeah.
1: mm. I also love how John when John is put in the spotlight to to um to give his address, it's mm. like. One, when 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 one of the spelling bee kids steps up to the mic and they like amp themselves up There's like this, <laughs> like like build up oh to launch, and I'm like, yeah, to lolly ho, um, that's great. <laughs> lolly leans into the microphone. Yep, lolly yep. mm, yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh man all right so hey we've got a regular episode for you tonight though a regular episode that has had a lot of uh actually a significant amount of work put in behind it um lots of times we come in with like hey this came up at our table let's chat about it Mm
3: -hmm. which
1: is pretty easy and makes for good discussion um this is not one of those episodes so i guess it isn't a regular episode Um, uh, we're going to uh, steal from the masters as we typically do um, for this episode tonight we're going to be showing you clips, snippets of other DMs, other um, well known well known entities Mm -hmm. short, short, short clips that underscore points, underscore ideas that we have take it to heart, and try to emulate in our own tables. Um, We just got done doing the critical role uh, review or critical role discussion with Thomas a few days ago, Um, and you know, one of the things that we talked about there was why do we watch streamed games or streamers in general, right? I think one of the consensus answers that we came up with was because certain streams or certain entities online help us hone in on what we want our games to be like. So we're bringing that to you today, uh, getting you a little bit of a feel for that um, with these short clips and then we'll discuss them. Um, Before we get into any of that though. John Troy, nothing has came across my radar as super important, but is there any news in the RPG landscape that you feel needs to be discussed today?
2: Uh, there's a little bit of AL news. Um, oh yeah. The uh, the DM rewards or the service rewards mm. uh, documentation has come out mm. um, to shock and awe uh, some mixed reviews. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um some some people are you know banging the al is dead gong yet again because something new Mm -hmm. came out um others are like okay hey this is cool so i mean your mileage may vary you might love it you might hate it it doesn't matter to me because they still are not rewarding dms the way i would like to be rewarded and that's with dm stuff it's, mm-hmm. it's all about a DM character, a DM player character that when a DM actually gets a chance to play, they can yeah. play those characters.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. My, my thing is, and uh, all you uh, AL admins and Watsy out there listening, because I know you are, I still think it would be really cool if you could choose, if a DM could choose. Yes, I want to build a DM character or... I want to be able to do cool stuff as a DM in the game. It, it would unlock certain things that you could impart upon your, mm. your tables and things like that. But mm. uh, I'm sure that's a, you know, that's a, I know that's a lot harder to come up with and implement than, yeah player mm. care, DM player character rewards, but it is
1: what it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't gotten to check those out. I, you did spark a couple of things with me though. Um, side this is a small thing, but they're shutting down the uh, uh DMs Guild Facebook group or Facebook yeah, page. I saw um that. uh so that's the last hurrah we lost um the DM's Guild Creative Circle Facebook group uh, uh, maybe two years ago now and that was a big loss to the DM's Guild community, in my opinion. Um and now they've kind of decided to shut down basically any presence the DM Guild has on Facebook and move it all to Discord. Um, and just kind of collapse everything down into there. Um, uh, mixed reviews, again, I think is the best way to say that. And then the other thing that popped into my head as you talked about that was we had some delays on some of the official Watsy products due to printing yeah. mm-hmm. timelines. I think that's um, going to keep happening. Yeah, I, I would say don't com- don't don't imagine that any date that we have right now is a for sure one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have the dates in front of me, but I, I was just talking with someone about uh, Netherdeep, the Critical Role thing coming out March fifteenth. I'm like, that's a that's a fake date. Like it, they're. I think they're going to be super happy if they hit that, but I'm not going to hold my breath till sometime in April on that mm-hmm. one too. Um, uh,
0: I that made me think of when you said missing dates. That made me think of one, so I'll I'll make mine pretty brief uh, on the Dragonlance forefront, right. Uh, uh so the new vo- the, the new book for the new trilogy is coming out apparently in August of 2022. Uh this comes from the German Amazon page. Uh there's a, a there was a uh, the book was not, not only the the date was placed there but also a snippet a summary of what the book was about Ooh. was also incorporated. And I don't know how I feel like if I should say anything about it or not or just make people go out there and look for it. But um, I'll, I'll say this much at least because I don't want to go into spoiler territory. If you want to go in like completely fresh with it, uh, there's a reason why they call it D&D Classic or Dragonlance Classic because they're, they're going to go back to a time frame in the story pre-Summer Flame. Huh. I'll leave it at that. And a lot of what I, what I thought they were going to do, I, I think they're going to do. And I can well I can sidebar that for the for those that uh, that don't want a spoiler, uh, spoilery type thing. So if you're really interested in it, you can find it. Dragonlance, um, German Amazon. Some, I'm sure you can find it out there somewhere or another. But yeah, right on. That's what I. That was mine.
1: Now, uh, John, before we move over, um, just so we uh, don't have to restart a clip i did some finagling i should have said this before we went live so i apologize to everyone who's having to suffer through this but you might check that the screen that we're about to transition to for showing clips mm-hmm. all the audio stuff is as you want it i already thought of that thank you thank you great see right. are good. See? We are this good.
2: professional thing is starting to like infect us now wow mm-hmm.
1: it's incredible
0: mm-hmm. well now, then- whether or not it works or not i don't know but i mean like I, I did think about it, and I did I tried.
1: So we'll I see did that. say starting,
0: <laughs> right? <Fair laughs> we're enough. thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. we're
1: Kill thinking. About it. or Gurk or someone in chat will let us know if uh, if uh, if we have a problem. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, well then, with that, I think that was a quick news segment that lets us dive right into our main topic. You fellas, good to go. Good yes. to go. Let's do it. <clears throat> All right, so. Um, each of us has brought to the table a couple of clips. Um, Zach cheated and, uh, split one of his clips into two shorter ones. So you're going to have to bear with that. Shocker. Um, but the clips are fairly short. I think most of them are, or all of them are between 30 seconds and two minutes. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to do a little lead in, um, where the person who picked the clip is going to talk about why they picked this clip, um, and then afterwards, We'll have a, a, a few minutes where all three of us can chat and, and chat if you want to weigh in, too, about thoughts about the clip, thoughts about the whatever was being, you know. If you like that sort of thing or if you feel like that's not something that you put in your toolkit, that's a great thing to talk about, too. And then we'll move on to the next one. Um, we're going to go in both of the Zach's clips, then both of John's, and then both of Troy's. Um, so... Uh, and then we'll kind of close off. I think Troy has something that he wants to kind of wrap it up with that's uh, a little bit different. So um, that'll be that. So let's get to it. My first clip, as is most reasonable, comes from our patron saint here on the podcast, uh, Matt Colville. Um, Hallelujah. yeah. Yay. I think uh, this was an inevitability, right? Oh, um, yes. Oh, yes. <clears throat> i pulled this clip from his chain campaign which uh, is mm-hmm. a couple of years old now and is uh has been on a very long hiatus through the covid period um what i like about matt as a dm is uh the details of his politics and his intrigue and and all how all those things enter work in the background um, and i like how he structures his combats now his combats are not as entertaining as some people's that you might find online but they're very dnd um they feel very real very visceral you could imagine i could imagine sitting down and playing at one of his tables and getting an experience like that and being like that's dnd um so the clip that i've chosen <laughs> you're you're not going to be surprised uh by what it contains i don't think Uh, But the clip that I've chosen, I think, really emulates to me the feeling that I like to convey about combat and specifically about uh, the opponents that your players face and how they are truly opponents and not just um, an encounter for you to, you know, maneuver through and then on with the story, right? Um, mm-hmm. this is a this is a life or death situation with intelligent combatants very very often um so John, if you would play uh clip number one got it
4: so now we begin round three uh the monk goes first first monk goes then king goes so uh larks you are on deck and the
1: monk is oh, uh, someone blew off think died. Uh, <laughs> you think that? thank you just thank you. <laughs> the, blow off. Is that, is that the monk goes
4: uh, and Blah. the monk sees Boots' unconscious form and, like, uh, kicks him once, no. uh, which is an advantage attack, because Boots is... One. Double one. Uh, no, that's a ten and an eighteen. A uh, miss. 18, well, that's two death saves, so it's one attack.
5: He's got those fancy boots on.
4: Yeah. The, yeah, the boots, yeah. The boots only help you. Are the boots conscious.
5: standing? He's just back. <laughs> <out. laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, I never fall down.
4: Yeah, he might. He might still be. Oh. Uh, yeah, uh, S. J. May says, "My name is Boots. You killed my surgeon. Prepare to die.
2: Prepare uh, <laughs> to kill me too. Prepare
4: yeah, <laughs> to kill me also. Uh, Apparently, so this monk can only kill things that are fucking laying down, unconscious. Mm-hmm. Right, well, he'll now? get to you in a minute. Yeah. Uh, that's so. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you see the monk goes and and Boots' head explodes. Gee. Boots is dead. Good oh, Lord, no.
0: what the. F- dickens all right
2: zach we can't hear you
1: all right i should have warned you (laughs) there we go all right hey kill a lot kill a lot was like plus one to tech and then zach immediately (laughs) removes plus one. yeah of course well okay so i should have forewarned folks that there's a little bit of language in some of these clips um so apologies if you're watching this with uh your family um uh but okay so of course zach brings one that not just is a colville fighting things but has somebody yeah kill it now i know why zach liked that one um uh, but no what i like about it though is uh you know the guy's down there on the ground and they're fighting a rival adventuring party right that had been set upon them and when the monk drops someone he has this flurry of blows still, and instead of moving on to the next person, he's like, "I'm gonna put this guy down because that's what he would do." And so he kicks him, take removing those two, uh, you know, critical hits, uh, those two death saves, and then he he does the punch to the skull and you know smashes it in, and that's the end of one of the player characters uh, there on the chain. Um. That's the intensity. Now, before we we get into it, um, uh, we we got like a 20-second clip here that I want to show that shows why I like this. Um, Because this next clip is just a couple of minutes later. And you can tell that incident laser focuses the party. Mm. And it gets them all united. It gets them all into it, intense. And they, they, are, they are here to finish this fight in a big way. Um, and uh, that sort of investment is what happens when they believe that this encounter is real. Go ahead and play that next clip, John.
4: For us, fucking great. What a dragon. I can just tell the monk to kill itself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: all it is- well,
1: do you think it permanently works for us? Or?
4: Yeah, let's just get it slit its own throat. Yeah, if it's permanent, then... Well, I mean, let's have him go punch them today. I'm not serious. Well, I am, (laughs) because he killed me and Boots. But I don't like him very much. Yeah, well, let's have him punch (laughs) the Eldritch
3: Knight. He's had a change of heart, though.
1: Yeah, right. All right, so what I love about it, you can see it on all their expressions. The guys down at the bottom, right, are just, like, just glowering. The one guy's sitting back like he's dead, the other guy, like, and they're all talking about, like, okay, how can we kill this guy? Is he going to stay dead? Like... That's the sort of interaction during a combat that I love uh, when the party is pulling things out of their tool belt, pulling things out of their features, figuring out a way to be successful because there's no way in hell we're going to let those guys win, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I don't know what you guys think about that, but I, I, I think back to this encounter and several others like this in the chain and be like, that's, that's how those combats should feel.
2: You, well, yeah, you are you are definitely in the camp of every fight should be life or death.
1: A lot of them, yeah, absolutely. I don't want <laughs> <laughs> to waste your time.
2: I don't want to waste your time. I don't want to waste my time.
1: <laughs> yeah. I think that, that you definitely.
0: While I don't ascribe to every single, or probably even like, I'm more of like a sixty to seventy, thirty, forty, somewhere around there. More mm. than uh, more often than not, they should be threatening encounters, right? Because otherwise, they're just throwaways. Every once in a while, or or every so often, I think it's important for the party, for the sake of heroism, if it's a heroic campaign in particular, for Mm -hmm. them to be able to mop the floor with bad Mm. guys and and kind of have that. Uh, I I always think back to The Princess Bride, when Inigo Montoya storms the castle with Fessick. It's like they're met with zero resistance until they get to the 6 Finger man, and then it becomes something that it's a very, very dangerous game, but otherwise, Montoya just stabs and pokes everything that he sees, and it's nothing at all. His skill Mm -hmm. is so great that that's very heroic, and only the threat really only comes up whenever the like a next thrust in the story is incorporated into it. Mm -hmm. But when it does, then it really does. It needs to mean something uh, to the characters or other the players or otherwise. You'll to your point. They're all. They're, they went from sitting back in their chairs to sitting forward in their chairs. If you notice yep. from one clip to the next, mm-hmm. and they were engaged and and on the a little on edge for sure.
1: Yeah, and I think like if I was to ideally, I would have had a clip from my one of my early DMs from you know fifteen years ago or wh- however long because what you what we watched there in the clip is very much uh, uh, you know emulaic of what I what well, my experience was uh stepping into D and D for the first time where i like we joked about it in the past but the reason zach kills characters is because zach's characters got killed <laughs> um <laughs> i i had back. i had a, like a uh like a revolving door um um and it was fun right like you had to be on your a-game and still you were probably going to die within a few sessions um it's just a really harsh low level always sort of campaign that ended up being ran Um, and I adore that, um, even into the higher levels if I can manage it, but yeah, we're We're going to talk, I'm I'm
0: with you. I'm with you on the, well, I I like that, that one first through eighth, eighth level is really the butter zone for me just because after that it's, first of all, it's maybe it's laziness or an inability to think tactically enough, I guess. But uh, it's really hard to start creating really good, challenging, gritty encounters for or not encounters necessarily, but just like challenges for your players. Whenever they start, the tool belt starts getting fuller and fuller, and more and more full. Right yeah. now, you got smoke bombs, and you got lightning bolts, and you got this, and you got that. And it's they kind of have the Swiss Army knife approach to yeah. anything that you throw in front of them. They probably have something to thwart it, which is fine. That's not it's not that I I can't be out thought out thought or out foxed by my players. I want I want that to happen, but at the same time. You know, it seems like it becomes instead of them thinking in, ingenuitively or thinking out of the box to make something easier than it should have been. It's not. It's not that. It's just they've got so much crap that they can call on. Yeah. They all they have to yeah. do is ma- manage and remember what their resources are, and there's probably something in there somewhere that they can just huck at it and then yeah. There you go.
2: But you know, uh, going back to my early days of D and D. I had a DM for the longest time that uh, would it – it was it would go in waves. Sometimes he would be for us, and then mm-hmm. other times he would be against us. Mm. And, like, to the point of he would set up something, and it's, and it's like, there's there's no way. There's no way we're going to get out of this.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Case in point, uh, he – I don't remember the, the actual – what had happened but my cousin had just started playing with us and he was yes when in doubt make a longer lava tube exactly uh, transported my my cousin's character into one of the planes of hell and i think we were like around level 10 or so mm-hmm. it, he was by himself and that was back in the day where you know when something happened you you, you took the player into the hallway and you would tell him and whatever. Mm-hmm the rest of us at the table hear thousands? What do you mean? Thousands. And we're like, well, what the heck's going on? And so the DM comes back and he's like, and we're like okay, so where, where's he at? It's like, you don't know. And it's like, I'll come back to you in about 15 minutes when I get to talking to these guys. And we're all like, well, what? I, but And it's like, well, you know, he just disappeared and you smell brimstone and all this stuff, and it's like somebody remembered that we had a a crystal ball, so we pulled that out and used that to figure out that he was transported to one of the planes of hell, and he's standing on top of a a hill, and he's just surrounded by thousands of demons, and it's like oh, you're level 10, this is second edition AD&D hey, you're gonna die and at the end of it, we actually saved him. I had a ring of genie summoning that I had for, that everybody had forgotten mm-hmm. about, and through yeah. using using that, uh, we got him back. But it was like after it was all said and done, I was like, "Dude, you how'd you set that up? How did you think we were going to get out of it?" He's like, "I didn't know." <laughs> it's like, did you remember the ring? That's... He's like, no. "No, no, no,
1: no." was there Do something some else that, about it yeah was there mm-hmm. something else that one of us had that you thought we would use he's like i don't know yeah well that that's oh. perfect that's a perfect example troy because in and it ties directly in you know this this encounter that we just watched a snippet of um he's built an adventuring party that is like three levels above the current one right yeah the, the part the, the, his party of players and it's a mono mono fight the party is designed to get there ass handed to them right like that's the design of the fight and he's like but i he he'll talk about it if you watch his videos he'll say i assumed that i was not going to be able to play six characters Mm. at the quality level that each one of my players was going to play their one character and that was going to make up the difference um and again like i watched those things i watch how the combats play out i'm like this is cool and it's meaningful and the players engage and their stakes and they're pulling things out like crystal balls and genies. They do stuff like that in that combat later on and you're like, oh, that's how I want it to feel. I don't want it to feel like oh, I blew my my long rest abilities and a few of my spell slots. Uh, then I kind of hung out with some cantrips for a while and it was over. Um, It should feel intense, even even if it's not going to be a TPK every round, or it's not threatening that. It needs to have some level of intensity. Uh, That oh crap moment. Yeah, yeah, maybe sweating a little bit. Yeah. So speaking of sweating, I think I can move over to uh, the next clip that I'm going to show you. Um, Now, this DM is uh, my absolute favorite. Um, I love watching this guy work, and 100%. This is the person that I've watched hundreds of hours of at this point, just to say, like, how can I be very much that? Um, and so uh, uh, this is this is Jerry Holkins from the Penny Arcade Acquisitions Incorporated crew. Um, usually he's the player, a player in it, um, omen drawn. but um, he has his own show where he he is the dungeon master. And um, there's, there's a ton of clips. I mean, I went back and watched... I don't know, maybe an hour's worth of footage uh, in preparation for this. And I'm like, man, I could pull so many. Um, The thing that I love about Jerry is the way he sets a scene, the way he Mm. describes a room, the way he pulls people in to what's going on with just the right words, just the right pace, just the right tone. It's not a lot of silly voices or great voices or anything like that, not to disparage that, but it's, it's him and him alone uh uh making you feel like you are there um in the space uh so john if
5: you wouldn't mind play that clip Make your way up uh, uh up a set of stairs into the uh floor where uh people's individual rooms were you can see um that simple door that led into your uh, sister federal's room uh, you can see that her room has been thoroughly dismantled, and the things that are left in there are things that that no one wanted or thought that they could uh, th- thought would have any kind of after you know value in any kind of market mm-hmm. afterward. But you can see uh, on the floor sort of poking out almost from the bed, uh, you can see what you think is the cover of a book. Wait a minute give you one of these, like, yeah. the SWAT team, like... For the podcast, he's making crazy yeah, gestures. making <laughs> hand signs. <laughs> th- at the end, I think it, it was, was the Macarena. No, started going Macarena. Oh, I was A little bit.
1: Ah. Wait in the hallway. Do the Macarena. Until I return. No, no, come in. It doesn't matter. So <laughs> let's... <laughs> I'm like, hey,
5: what? <laughs> yeah, I'll stop, I'll stop here, and I will wander in there, and, and, and pull this out. Yeah. Um, you know, whatever, whatever scent type memories you would have associated with it, uh, there's not, there isn't any uh, hint of it. This is not a place where people live anymore. Uh, the book itself um, is a book of what are, functionally speaking, fairy tales. So there's a very common drow uh, fairy tale um, About, uh, and there's, there's, it's retold in many different ways, but it is about uh, a girl who seeks Lolth's wisdom um, and then is visited by various um, incarnations of Lolth. Uh, and invariably, uh, these young women succeed. hmm so long as they follow the correct path. Occasionally there's a version of it that involves them being insufficiently cruel or in the moment of victory, uh, not going for the kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, such young women are are punished in stories like these. Mm-hmm.
1: So I had to keep that first part in because I was like, ah, it's great because it's for the podcast and then we don't have to say for the podcast. Um, <laughs> Uh, but uh, yeah I just love I love the way that he steps in and describes like the book and it's like tucked underneath the uh, the, the skirt of the bed there and you open it up and it's this book of fairy tales and then he all of this is made up on the fly um, and he just like oh it's, it's it's a fairy tale book but it's for drow and he, then he starts weaving in like bits of drow lore so to speak into it and, and giving people taste of it, all the while kind of setting the tone for what this book should feel like, right? Um, I just, uh, that's what I want to do every time I'm like, I just describe things like that? <laughs> I'll be happy.
0: <clears throat> One of the things that immediately jumped out to me, because when, when, in preparation for this, you know, I got the files first and had a chance to, I yeah. watched them a couple of times, right? Just to make sure all the timing was right. When I kept every time it would play, I'd be like, "His voice that he's using is um, very—it's almost like a whisper, right? It's—it's forcing you to really pay attention to what he's saying. You kind of have to like lean forward a little bit into it to make sure that you're hearing exactly what he's saying because it's—he's not yelling it. It's not this very bombastic." loud method of making sure that my pet players are paying attention it's the entire it's the the polar opposite it's the other end of the spectrum of if you want to hear what it is that I have to say I, first of all I'm not going to repeat it but you're going to have to listen you're going to have to be really quiet and still you're going to have to you you're going to have to look up and you're probably you, in order to make sure that you, you know what's going on you know and it's um it's almost I hate to use the word but almost hypnotic mm-hmm. the way that he does it it's this very monotone you know, almost a drone in the way that he delivers it. it's really, really interesting.
2: But but there's something to it though. It's not a. It's weird. It's it's not a monotone droning, sound. It's it's just very informational, and very in, the 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 scene kind of thing. And if you if you watch the when you watch the clip, and you notice the rest of the the players. They're all kind of like, yeah. like focusing, you know, I mm-hmm. don't want to look at anything else. I'm just going to look down here and listen. And cause you, you see, uh, Chris, um, every once in a while kind of look up, at, up at him and kind of nod and go back to mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. kind of a, mm-hmm. it, it was, it's really kind of cool to see how he sucks them in with that. Cause mm-hmm. It's very different than like with my clips, but yeah, it, it's very it's very interesting because he's very subdued. He's very
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's like I'm just letting the words paint the picture, and that's it.
1: Yep, yep, yep. And that's that's what I like so much. And um, and and then Bear Droids bringing up the second piece that I love about Jerry's DMing Style, which is that he's very comfortable with riffing off of his players, right? It's Mm -hmm. a very collaborative uh, adventuring process. Um, We had a moment last night in in a game that I ran where it's very much like that, where uh, on the fly, don't uh, don't tell uh, someone who listens to this podcast that I said this, Um, uh, but we had an interaction with their character where in the moment, based on who came forward to interact with the thing, I was riffing off of that and saying okay okay you came up so what's your subclass what's your you know and, and like making the story kind of form fit around the archetype that that player character was and um and what they were presenting and it's just a lot of fun so yeah uh other streams um I watch from time to time for specific things like the Colville and I'm like, I want to combats, I'll watch Colville, Jerry. I watch for the whole package and say, how do I just take what he's doing and drop it in over here? Mm. So very cool.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'll add one more thing about the way that his not just his voice, but his vo- with his voice is delivery and the yeah. method that he's use, using with it. Right? It's not going to always be that same kind of delivery, or like that same again, like a, almost like a whisper. Right? He's using um, like. In in, whether in choir or music lessons, or not music, vocal lessons, or anything like that, that you're using the range of your voice to express yourself. And so he's going to have these like highs, lows, and plateaus in the way that he delivers. But you can tell he's very deliberate. Like in this moment, it's very important for me to be like this in the way that I deliver it, as opposed to not every single moment is the ringmaster of a circus where you have to be really loud to make sure you maintain. Like, okay, so you guys are all you're sneaking, right? It doesn't have to yeah. be like really loud the entire time for him. He's he's using the full range of his delivery, to which is which is really interesting. You see that with with some of the the, the others too. Like I've seen that with uh, even in the, the one episode of watching Critical Role, seeing Mercer does the same thing where he st- he'll start low, he'll get big, and he'll shrink back down again, and it'll become conversational. So he's using mm-hmm. the full range of like delivery in order to deliver it as best as possible for the,
1: for the scene in school. Absolutely. Uh, so those are going to be my two clips. Um, uh, and, and really those are the two that I would like, Troy's going to bring up the other people that I would pay attention to for, for, for inspiration by and large um, uh, here after a bit. But uh, I think if I steal from the mat, if there's monsters that I'm going to steal from, these are going to be the first two. So right on. Yeah. yeah I so mean, you
2: can't go wrong with stealing from, from either one of them uh you know coville is our patron saint for a reason uh, he, yeah. he, everything he does is just so solid
1: yeah. yeah yeah and i literally have jerry's words tattooed on my arm so like i can't can't about refer to him so, <laughs> so uh john no, here right. t- i'll hand it off to you uh who do you got for us what do you got for us
0: oh boy so mine i don't want I okay, so for the for the listener out there uh I'm not a, I am not. don't watch streams, but what I do love is I love the philosophy of being a dungeon master and, like, the... Like, these... Almost, like, ancient wisdom that is being passed from one dungeon master to the other that I can get equally uh, so uh, to be able to utilize in my own game. So I love hearing other DMs and just their... They just talk about the method as opposed to just... Instead of just just displaying, it, it's like pulling back the curtain and showing how they got to that point, what what their thought mm-hmm. process is while they're delivering it, before they deliver it, that whatever their prep is and their method. I love the method, right? And so, I'll go back to to Matt Colville like every single time. Uh, you know, I was it was cool watching Matt explode. I think I started out at like when he was like fifteen thousand. Subs mm-hmm. on YouTube, and is like very very. It was his his the quality was still there, but he had like the hour long. Mm-hmm. Like he would just go on and on and on, and I loved it. And I was always upset when it was like an eight or ten minute long video, because I would like just let it play in the background like a person would do. Most people yeah. would probably do with like a podcast because I absolutely loved it. But for one of the things about Matt that I adore is whenever he has something when he's really prepared because he's a writer, you know, like and he's not just a really great DM. A lot of his method comes from being a professional writer first, going to school for writing. And so he's his delivery comes from being really prepared with his words. And so uh, the the clip that I'm gonna talk about is about where he talks about using skill challenges uh, and kind of like cobbling something together for 5E that was very similar to the 4E method of, of skill challenges. But doing it in a way to where it didn't feel like a skill challenge. Because I always saw, man, skill challenges would be really, really cool if they worked right. But they were, I, I always blamed 4E for why they didn't work right and not because of the way that they were told to be delivered. Mm. The idea was, had merit. But the way that he explains it is so much better. So, this clip is really him delivering a skill challenge through a narrative. Like, this is the narrative form of the skill challenge. So, we're going to let's go ahead and we'll get that started really quick here.
4: Calarol the Vile lies dead on the floor of the summoning chamber. Before the surviving members of the Revenant Vow can celebrate, the Black Keep begins to shake. They are five levels below ground, deep underneath the keep. As the floor beneath them shifts, as the walls around them shudder, as the ceiling above them begins to crack and splinter, the heroes realize they have only moments to escape before the entire keep collapses around them. They must carefully navigate their escape. If they fail, they will be buried here with Calorol, and the world will never hear of their deeds. Sigurd leads the party. Carefully retracing their steps backward through the maze they navigated to get here, he successfully leads the characters backward through the labyrinth, never making a wrong turn. Baltair passes a doorway on the way out. He stops and realizes that based on the geometry of the keep, it must lead to a stairway up. Follow me, he says, and opens the door. The heroes come to a T-intersection, unsure of which way to go. Nosa detects a faint breeze coming from the right. That corridor must lead to the world above. This way, she shouts. Sigurd halts and looks at the ground. He thinks he sees tracks. He's unsure. As he tries to read the ground and detect if there's a faster way out, he fails to notice the giant block of masonry about to shake loose from the ceiling and crush him. But Baltair, the human monk, notices it. In an instant, he pushes Sigurd out of the way, and the masonry falls on Baltair, dislocating his shoulder. But Sigurd is alive. The party skids to a stop, the corridor in front of them blocked by a giant column of stone that is broken loose and blocks their way. Baltair approaches the stone. Concentrating for a moment to gather his strength, he heaves and lifts and hurls the stone out of the way, clearing the passageway. As the heroes desperately ascend through the dungeon below the keep, as the walls around them shake and crumble and collapse, Sigurd stops and notices something strange about the wall next to him. It's a secret door with a stairway leading up, another level closer to safety. Having found shortcuts and secret doors they never used to get down here in the first place, the heroes now find themselves tantalizingly close to the surface. The shaking of the keep becomes more violent. Walls and ceilings collapse around them. They are about to be crushed under the keep and buried with Calaril. Facing a four-way intersection, no obvious choice, Sigurd notices tracks leading to the right. This way, he shouts and leads the party to the final staircase and freedom. Standing under the sun in the daylight outside on the grass surrounding the keep, they watch as the giant monument of Calaril the Vile collapses. The Scion of Orcus is dead, his keep destroyed, and the heroes safe.
0: There we go. God, that's gorgeous. Like there's so much to unpack in this for me. There's so much to unpack between the the way that he describes a scene, not just a scene or something that's happening, but all of the heroic acts that are occurring at the same time and giving each one this all of this dramatic weight to it. Everything and it it um, ooh, one second. It and, uh, and it it just it speaks to it helps the, that narrative challenge is what it actually produces, right? It's That's kind of the way, instead of us calling it a skill challenge or a skill encounter or something like that, it's really more of a narrative challenge that is you either bypass or you make your way through by a means of like your character's wits or the, whatever the skills they have at their disposal, right? And so between uh, the skill challenge part of this is kind of what, what I glommed onto at first, but I mean, I just love the way that um like every single possible thing that could go wrong is the thing that does go wrong whenever you're trying to escape and he makes he creates this really uh, amazing narrative approach to explaining how the giving the characters an option an, uh, an opportunity to bypass or to circumnavigate those challenges or the everything that could go wrong um and engaging with them in that narrative as opposed to it just being him even though you know, in that clip, it's just him talking, but that's really the, their narration of what he'd already done previously with, with uh, yep. his his characters. But his characters were the one that came up with those uh, those solutions, which I absolutely love.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, <clears throat> it's not as if he's presenting that this is how you would vocalize, verbalize a a skill challenge in the moment, mm-hmm. but this is the the atmosphere that you want to evoke. That like. Everybody like the thing that I like about it is that there's a ton of variety and that it feels epic and that you you feel the momentum moving you towards Mm -hmm. something. And I remember watching this clip, you know, back when it when when this this uh, running the game episode aired, it'd be like, okay, yeah, I think I can like get behind. How to do a skill challenge now because it's it's from a different vantage point than a combat is in D right? mm-hmm. and D, right? That's the thing that he presents is that it's like the cameras, the cameras panned, panned back, and mm. taking in a bigger portion of the scene. You're not seeing the nitty gritty details, but you're seeing everything that's happening and how the characters are moving through it.
0: Yeah. In order for it to move at this pace, I think your players are, are really going to have to be. Like there's a there's almost a certain like leading like they have to follow follow the lead you know it's mm-hmm. like without it being overly obvious that it's a skill challenge instead of having to say every like you come at an intersection what do you do having to say what do you do over and over and over and over again I think is one of the, ch- the challenges that I would see in it but if you have the players that have that that mentality and that mindset and you've if you've created a, a cinematic feel to what's going on around them. I think it makes it a lot easier. I actually talking about stealing from the masters, I legit stole this for the uh, the end of my 2-year Ravenloft campaign. So the Curse of Strahd, the ending was the kill Strahd, but that's not the end. the end. They have to get out. Castle Ravenloft is crumbling to the ground, the pillar is about to fall, they're about to be crushed and killed by the debris, yada yada yada. And they've got to m- navigate their way out of this labyrinthine like castle. And so I totally snaked this from I, just, I put my own stuff in there that act to act as obstacles between you know them and freedom but uh man it really it, it was it was the perfect ending it wasn't just the bad guy dies and then that's it that's the end of that there's a there are repercussions dangerous repercussions to the bad guy dying if we, if we've made it this far are we still going to be able to make it or, or is anybody or is are we going to lose anybody else along the way
1: yeah he talks about, I don't know if it's in this episode or one around it, but he talks about using timers sometimes,
0: mm-hmm. like, like yeah. little
1: hourglass yeah. timers to kind of help the party, force them to make fast decisions because uh, uh, a slow decision is as bad as the wrong decision mm-hmm. um, in this sort of a thing. Yeah, it's really cool.
0: What else you got for us? Yep, so this the other one that I've got I'll kind of give a key in on this one is again it's philosophy and so uh, as much as I I, I love Colville <clears throat> my crush is gonna end up always end up being Joe Manganiello just because he's just a cool dude, you know, and and um and he I've never seen him actually run a game of D&D yet, but he seems like he just chews up an interview with some really really with some uh, great nuggets of wisdom that I, I love and it's one I think one of the reasons why I like him so much aside from just like his personality and his charisma is he has a very similar kind of game the like, kind of game he's trying to run or he's trying to like create that same atmosphere is as an atmosphere that i either I really want to or I'm chasing after for my table I really want a moment very similar to the one that he's going to talk about coming up next and that is you know go big really it's like go big or go home like it's this very theatrical approach to narrating combat narrating um encounters narrating the drama of the story you see a little bit of that already with matt colva but this is like you can tell this is coming from this is an actor he's wanting to act out the scene and chew up every second of the scene for the sake of the character the players in order to create a very cinematic experience for them as opposed to just a game this is their movie and they are the the actors portraying their characters in it so let's go ahead and let's give that a watch and we'll see how be, what we think about that like
2: think big think
0: cinematic think like don't hold back what's the coolest image you can have in your mind what's the movie that you want to see go create that create that situation Um, i love describing combat a lot of times when we get through a couple of cool rounds of combat if people have done some really cool things I'll recap, so I'm walking them through and I'm acting out the combat and it's, so then it was this and then you did this and then he hit with that and then boom, the fireball, but then that, but then he fell off the balcony and then the dragon with its tail, so it was boom, up against the wall, boom, you know, and I'm, and I mean, that's, I want that experience for my players. Like You're not gonna have that at every single session, right? But when the time is right, in that the, the big the, something climactic happens, I want it to go really, really big and have that oh, moment for my players. Like that's I'm am starving for it at every single table whenever I'm running something. And I, to hit, like you said, I've used it before, even before I found this clip, a very cinema cinematic
1: engagement where the movie is playing in your head and you're able to see everything unfold. You know, Troy. I don't know how you feel about this, but when I watched John's clips and yours, um, but certainly John's, I was like, "Yeah, these are these are, of course, the two clips that John would pick." Like, <laughs> I don't like, know how to interpret like, that if there's a good thing or a we, bad thing. How do we how do we describe a scene as big and theatrical and cinematic, which which is 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 your style, right? Like of like really like you know. Uh, putting all the packing, all the, the spectacle in a good way, all the spectacle and, and visualizations and sensory detail and all that, that we can Mm -hmm. into, uh, as tight of a moment as we can. Right. Yeah. How much of this can I pack into you entering this room or you eating Mm -hmm. this meal (laughs) or, uh, you know, this combat. meals in particular. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's,
2: It's the special effects. To me, that's what he's talking about. It's, you know, keeping in the cinematic concept, it's the special effects, it's the CGI, it's the big explosions, it's the cool, uh, you know, force lightning and, you know, all that good stuff that, that really sucks you into watching. Or, as he was talking about describing the combat, it's narrating a Jason Bourne combat you know the 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 quick cuts and the in the 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 harsh strikes and the different camera angles and it makes it kinetic it makes it exciting
0: yeah and but with him he's putting his whole body into it Mm -hmm. you know which i think is is great you know like i i noticed that when the more excited i get about a scene or a moment in a game the i stand up at the table and my my arms flail and even wider and bigger in every every moment because you know to your to that point i mean like i think my style of dming probably comes quite a bit from um from movies i love movies and i love big movies my some of my favorite Mm -hmm. stuff ever is like lord of the rings star wars it's not it's the the very small moments are beautiful and i love them but the thing that the reason why I went to the theater instead of trying to watch it at home was because I wanted a spectacle. I want a lot of, not necessarily like Michael Bay explosions necessarily, but I wanted something that would take me to a place that was so fantastical that it would blow my mind, whether I was a kid mm. or even as an adult now. And I continue now even to chase after that, that same feeling. It's harder and harder to get a hold to as you get older because you've seen so much more. You've already seen a lot of the stuff, right? But, uh, yeah, I'm proud of that. So I, I love – I want – if that's what a player is looking for, that's the kind of thing I want my players to have. And I encourage it, and I try to nurture that same kind of thing. Like, I'm not the only person that has to describe it like this. So I'll hand off to my players and say, you tell me what happened. How did how did you get out of this, you know, uh, this whole this grapple or something like that? How did you slip out of it or how did you, you know – did you decapitate the 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 ogre, or what did you do? Right, let them be a part of creating that cinematic piece. So. Yeah, yeah.
1: Anything else so you want to go mind. for on that? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> well, uh, let's move on to Troy then, um, and get. Uh, I appreciate uh, again. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna steal any of your thunder here, Troy. But like, as soon as you name these two, you're like, I want these two moments. I'm like, of course you do. Like. <laughs> Like, like yeah. these are very Troy-like moments that, you know, he's capturing and trying to, like, yeah. when you said, when we set this up as stealing from the masters and you guys submitted these as clips, I'm like, yep, and this, this, anybody who has sat at our tables, at, at least from my point of view, should see these influences after watching these clips. At least I mm-hmm. hope so. so, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least a small taste of it, right? So, yeah. go ahead, Troy. Uh, both of my clips come from...
2: Uh, Matt Mercer in Critical Role, um, not because he, you know he's he's an awesome DM. I I am a Critical Role fan, as you guys have known from the last uh, one of the last episodes. But uh, you know I love Matt Colville. I you know Jerry Holkins. I have not watched a lot of him, but I've watched him as Omen drawn. Um, there's so many to choose from, but I am the most familiar with Mercer in action. So that's kind of where I, I, gravitated to, for this. Um, and the first clip is him. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say what it is, John. Then go ahead and play it. Uh, basically, it's just it's him bringing an NPC to life, and it's kind of how I like to do things. So, John, go ahead. <laughs> Mostly. <laughs> he turns around, and you can see now. What you, did, what you failed to notice
4: when you first noticed is that uh, where once there was five, there is now three fingers.
1: <laughs> oh, right. Yes! No, oh, he has character progression! <laughs> what will
4: he do? That's, uh, that's
2: impressive. Learn uh, from my <laughs> mistakes! <laughs> you can learn three more times easily. Uh, I can. <laughs> three more.
4: And he runs off and starts rummaging through a bunch of stuff. Kind of, I
2: was hoping that you would have some
4: black powder for sale. I'm on it! I'm on it! Hold on! And he whips around with this uh, this kind of metallic cylinder that is like very well sealed. And he's like, See?
2: I learned from my mistakes. <laughs> That's very impressive.
4: And he walks very carefully, like very gingerly, placing it on the table. Oh.
2: Okay, carefully.
4: He pulls out like a small door
5: <laughs> Have to unseal the measure. Let's not do that <laughs> and I make
2: <laughs> I love that clip. Yeah. And so that to me is how I like to try and portray my characters, my NPCs. It's not just the voice, because not everybody can do the voice, but he embodies the NPC he hun- He hunkers down in, in this case victor he hunkers down he has the one hand missing the fingers and and he holds the the mouth in a different position and he's frenetically moving around and acting like he's digging through stuff and if you if you can't do voices and a lot of you know a lot of dms are you know i, I just i don't i'm not good at that fine don't there's so many different ways to embody a character the 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 big strong paladin that you're talking to set up straight puff your chest out you know that kind of thing just emulate what you think that character would be like and i think mercer does that the best out of out of anybody that i've seen um where you've got hulkins who just there was no flamboyant actions to him he just he delivered and he explained and he described and you could see that mental image. With Mercer, it wasn't it wasn't just a mental image. You had something that you could reference in his physicality and his movements and things like that. And that's that's one of the things that I like to do or at least try to do when I'm running a game. I don't know how well it translates doing it online through Roll Twenty, uh, or but. Uh, in, there's a physicality to it, yeah. Yeah, there's a physical. Mm-hmm. So in per, it definitely it definitely helps to be in person to do that. Um,
1: yeah, but I remember, I, like you, I remember some of your characters in some of the uh, VDD weekends, and and hearing he, uh, my players filter in and be like, "Oh, Troy was," I saw Troy over here doing this or whatnot. It does carry through it to some extent. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, we talked about uh, uh, Matt's players. And obviously, we talked about Jerry's players, so we'll talk about uh, Mercer's players here, right? Like, all of them are engaged, and this is a season one clip, so um, uh, there's there's an authenticity to it even more so here, I think. Um, but um, and and we as the audience are engaged too, right? Like, this is a we have this great now smorgasbord of three DMs in the moment at least presenting, and we're drawn into all of them in further different ways. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. I like it's you know, Jerry has a very different DMing style. Matt Cole has a very different DMing style, so does Matt Mercer, right? But the to me they are equally great. I have my favorite, yeah, between them, but they're they're great like we have one of the things we've tried to figure out is what do you distill it down to? what makes it a great DM. The, I think one of the reasons why it's impossible to say is because you, you, there's no way to put it all in one person. And if you did, it would be so muddled that it wouldn't yeah. be good anymore. It's right. the differences that make them so much. So that make them stand out and make them great, but it's not, there's no formula that you can, where you can plug and play the variables in as a, you know, if I train in my, an improv and I do this, and if I go and see a, vo- a voice acting coach and maybe they'll teach me how to do this thing or whatever, you know, it's like, you, I think that just speaks more and more to each DM finding the thing that they're really amazing at or the thing that they're really good at and become amazing at it and lean yeah. into it as opposed to trying to... You don't have to be somebody else. You can love the things that they do and you want to mimic them and get really good at some of them, but it's okay for you to do the things that make you great specifically. And, you, they're, and you'll find the players that love the way that you run those games.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because if every if if you take the best bits of Covell and the best bits of Holkins and the best bits of Brennan and the best bits of, of Mercer and you put them all together and you make this Frankenstein DM mm-hmm. of all the best qualities of all the awesome DMs that you see out there in the world, does that suddenly become the absolute epitome, icon, best DM ever? No, I feel like Everything is a, is a wash at that point because there's nothing to glom onto. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, you know, it, it kind of desensitizes you to what makes those DMs
0: great. Yeah. Like it gets lost, right? The different yeah. the different v- values that a, a DM brings, they get lost in all of it. There's just too much noise. If yeah. they're trying to do everything. I feel like that's what what would end up happening if you had that Frankenstein DM that had all yeah. of those different traits and characteristics. Well,
1: know. nobody's gonna nobody's gonna. I mean, we're not gonna see that come to the table. But if a person is trying, they're probably mediocre at all, right? Like, right. I mean, uh, there may be somebody out there that we haven't encountered. So that, that would be awesome. I would love to sit at their table if they had the whole, you know, package, so to speak, of that. But like um like yeah I, as long I as don't... it came
2: natural to them i mean it, yeah. and that's yeah. kind of you know over over years these dms have created these abilities yeah. and these skills so
1: so describe this next
2: uh clip for us Troy okay uh the next one also matt mercer um it's how he how he is bringing the first, the first one was bringing an NPC to life. This one, to me, is how he's bringing the environment to life. The monster walking down
5: The left lever seems to be. You now see, as you get close, it's
4: connected to a multi, many, many of these chains around. You can see there's actually within this island what initially you didn't notice intricate little bits of clockwork that weave behind. And the the, the lever on the left, if pulled. Would probably release all of the chains. Okay. The lever on the right seems to be affixed to a network that joint that connects directly to the two chains that attach to its sides of its jaw, and you gather if they were pulled,
0: it might force the jaw open.
2: Oh, oh so he can feed things to the dreadnought. So, it, for those of you that you know listening to the podcast, you couldn't see the clip, but very much like bringing the NPC to life mercer uses his entire body when he's talking about you know he's he's showing you how the levers turn mm-hmm. he's he's showing mm-hmm. you the the things up you know the, the chains and how they
1: expand way out he's i love it, how uh, hang on. i love how you're like for the people of the podcast and then you're doing it the <laughs> i have to I, I i can't do it without
2: okay I'll, I'll sit on my hands but yeah he's using he's using his hands and his arms to show you the magnitude of what he's talking about if it's and something how they interlink and yeah, yeah if yeah. it's something <laughs> small he's getting minute and you know his his hands are close together and he's showing you like just with his little pinches of his fingertips and things like that but it's as Holkins paints the picture with his only his words and you saw his players focused and and you know, they may not have been looking directly at, at Jerry while he's talking, but you could tell they were they were creating the image that he was explaining in their minds. Mm. With Mercer, not only does he use his words, all of his players are focused on him, and they're watching him, because he not only is he painting with his words, he's painting with his body. He's painting with his arms and his... And his gestures and things like that to kind of keep you sucked in. And if you watch enough of, of Critical Role, I think, you'll see that I mean, he does it all the time. But he also uses it to um, kind of convey a sense of urgency at times. Or if it's something that's more laid back... His arms move slow. His hands move slow. He he kind of does more, more uh, almost like uh, just a, like a dance with his hands. If it's something that's going on right now, some kind of a combat, his arms are flailing and his it, it, he's flapping around like a like a madman trying to describe these these settings and and, and these encounters and things like that. And that's just how I naturally talk anyway i think i talk more with my hands than i do my my mouth yeah. um so it's just it's just kind of it's nice to actually see someone hey here's a really good dm that does the same thing that uh-huh. i do so i must not be that bad
0: well that's <laughs> uh, i'm telling you that's the way that i felt about whenever joe manganella was talking yeah, about like exactly like, yeah it, it was like everything is really big and using your hand like i've well, the the thing where places where i've actually seen him run were like just in like really quick snippets like five seconds, 10 seconds, whatever. And like almost every single time I've seen him, he's done like this hand outstretched, like he's crushing someone's skull in his, in the palm of his hand. Like what that motion, right? It's like, but again, that's really theatrical. And so when it's when there's, when it's theatric, you can't just rely on your, your voice to carry the story and what's going on. To your point, you have to, you have to use your whole body. And I like what you said before for the DMS out there that, or like either I'm not interested in, in using silly voices or voices at all, or I'm just not good at, at accents or whatever. Fine, if you, want, if you want to find another method, this is another layer, another tool that you can use if you want to. I think one of the things that a lot of DMs have a, a struggle with, I should say, the ones that I've talked to, is like there is a barrier or a, 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 an internal barrier that they have to kind of like smash through of being of being willing to look silly. To do so, for something like that, using your whole body, you you run the risk of looking silly and dumb when you do it. Especially like Matt was Thanks. doing, like you're welcome. I look, that's you and me both, man. Because I do this, you know, you know me. That's pretty obvious. I'm willing to be a fool, and even I still do it too. Like I still like have that internal monologue of myself, like, oh my god, is this the moment? Mm-hmm. Where people, This is what people are going to remember from now on is this dork that just went whole hog on uh, and had a conniption fit at the table.
2: I kind of I kind of feel like, you know, it, it's kind of like, you know, when, when you're walking down the, the, the sidewalk and you look across the street and you see somebody flailing their arms about and acting all crazy, what you don't see is they just walk through a spider web. Right. <laughs> So the people that are watching you from afar run a game of D&D that don't know what's going on, yeah, they think you're a fool. And you know what? I don't care. I don't mm. care what you think. I'm not running the game for you. I'm mm. running the game for my table. They're seeing the big dragon. They're seeing the large dwarven doors. They're seeing the pillars fall and, and crushing the, the, the fleeing townsfolk and things like that. They're my audience, not the person that's way over there thinking that, this person's a maniac.
0: Well, I, and that, I think you're right. I think part of the thing is that I don't think, I, I don't know a single player that doesn't eat that up.
3: Mm-mm.
0: I mean, if you they, they can get to a point where it's probably it might be awkward. I don't know where I don't know where that the law of the diminishing returns happens. You know, exactly where that is where you get to a point where the voices are so silly or there're too many of them or you know, you flail your arms too much and people are kind of off put by it or not, but most of the players that I've ever run for they love it. They have, they eat it up. Whatever. Oh yeah. The more animated I get, as long as it's not like I am not h- actually hurting anyone at the table, the, the more they love it. So hmm. I see lean into hmm. it. Oh yeah. That's the. Read. It's like that's the thing. It's like I am telling. Like I am challenging all the other DMs to like to allow themselves the space to do that without worrying about what people are going to think to the negative. Right? If they yeah. just don't want to do it because it's not their thing, then that's fine. But if it's something that they have any interest in trying or doing, or they see someone else doing, it, like, God, man, I wish I could do that. The only thing that's separating you from not doing it and doing it is you. Yeah. And, it's yeah. go- and it's going to be, it doesn't matter how bad you think it is, your players are probably going to love it. So yeah. you may as well go ahead and just let yourself have it.
2: They're going to they're gonna appreciate the effort that you're going to put into it. You know, your, your voices, if you use them, may suck. They may be mm. horrible. They may all sound just like you, even though you think they don't. But mm-hmm. your players are going to notice those slight differences you give it. Um, I, I draw the line at jumping up on top of the table. I'm not going to do that. Chair, mm. yes. Table, no. No.
1: Uh,
2: I don't want to lose any more dice after that last couple of times. But, uh, yeah, it's just the more you can draw people, in and a lot of these techniques are great for kids. Oh yeah. You want to pull kids into the game, the more you think you're acting a fool, the more they're gonna love it. My mm-hmm. the family that I met at Gen Con that I always talk about, the 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 youngest was sitting right beside me and the, the dwarven caravan master just kind of So what do you think what do you think I should do here? What you wanna you wanna go check that out for me? You know? And she just ate it up. She just thought mm-hmm. that was the coolest thing. She kind of like looked you know it, she would mirror me and it was just so much fun um the adults at the table thought it was thought it was really cool and you know they got into it too so
0: well kids how many how often do do adults actually play with kids like that you know
2: not enough not, not enough. enough
0: like my 5 year old is starved to be played with like that on the like I can't do it enough for her yeah. so i can't imagine The kid that doesn't have a giant dork for a dad that's willing to do voices and cartwheels in the living room and crap like that for her. (laughs) I'm I'm not surprised that she ate it up at all. Oh,
2: hear that? Hear that, y'all? Come to Winter Fantasy and we'll get John to do cartwheels uh, in the game hall.
0: I'm good at him. Thank you very much. Don't let the fat fool you, man. Don't let the husk fool you. I can. I am athletic.
1: Oh, Girk says uh, him (laughs) and Ferrisine will be there. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you're there, I'll do a cartwheel. Done. There we go. Is that easy? I ain't ashamed. Commitment.
0: Yeah. It's commitment. Yeah. I'm committed. Ain't right no there. shame
2: in my gymnastics game.
0: Right. Oh. I. Oh. I suddenly. Oh. I suddenly hurt my back. Oh. <laughs> good thing you
2: have till February.
1: Oh crap. Yeah, yeah. That's true.
2: <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah. I loved it.
1: This was good. I enjoyed it. I. I. I don't know how uh, how our audience feels or how the podcast audience feels, but like. This was very enjoyable for me to put these clips together. I, I p- pulled each one out of the videos and whatnot. I'm like, yeah, like this is a real thing. Like this isn't something that we contrived and we're like, yeah, these are maybe like you, we learned a lesson here. Or there, like, nope. I felt like this is this is a these valid are, presentation. Well, so, I
0: think we've said it multiple times that every clip speaks exactly to what we expected out of each person. It's like, yep, those are Zach clips. Yep, that's a Troy clip. Yep. John, yep, 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 Yeah. exactly. Uh,
2: so before we get out of here, the the you know these are the people that you know these these DMs that we've had have clips of are accessible to everybody out there in listening and viewing land. Mm-hmm. I want all of us, the three of us, to give one little our own little snippet from tables that we've actually played at DMs that we've played under. What's something from them that we've added into our repertoire? mm mm-hmm. Hmm. Not on even, maybe not even you DMs. Just a table. Just tables in general. Yeah.
0: We, we'll, we'll, lead off. Lead, lead on, McDuff. We well, we have Forrest. Uh,
2: I would say that uh, the the story that I told about my DM and the sending my cousin to hell, I have kind of taken a hold of that, and. I like to put my players in situations where I don't know how they're going to get out of it. I don't know if they will get out of it mm-hmm. because that may, you know, if I don't know and they don't know that makes when they do get out of it and, and somehow so far they always have, they pull things out of, out of nowhere like you said they're pulling out the utility belt and things are starting to they're they're rifling through their inventory lists and they're pulling things out that they've forgotten about Mm -hmm. and that i think is an absolute blast and when they're done when when the session is done and they're all beaten and bruised but they've made it out hopefully most of them have made it out you know they're just kind of like oh man how did you come up with that? you're just kind of like, I just threw some stuff together and wanted to see if you'd live through it. Kind (laughs) of a, kind of a thing. I I really like, I really, really love that. I love that Mm -hmm. to watch that play out.
1: Yeah. That sense of accomplishment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I can throw one in. Um, I have a different one, a, a weird one, um, or an odd one. Um, how about I I talk about how I watched one of my early DM's transition to being a player and that was very interesting right Um, uh, one of my early DM's uh, a campaign wrapped up and he took the seat of the player And what was interesting to me in that and something that I find very fascinating is that I came to understand that when he when it was his turn to sit in the chair, not the head chair, but on the side, he would deliberately make characters that were, you know, either he would random roll everything or he would make something that was deliberately subtle, deliberately not super powerful, deliberately a side character, right? Something that doesn't take center stage, and it was, I, and and I don't know why that was for him necessarily, but my lesson from that, or the thing that I took from that, is the random thing, or the or the um, or the lackluster thing, was his way of could be of his way of challenging himself and saying like Let me let me see what I can do here, but it's also the way of saying my spotlight was for the last six months or two years or whatnot when I was running this. And now when I sit down, um, not that I'm not going to participate, I'm certainly going to participate, but I'm going to make it so that it's very difficult for me to take that spotlight more often than not. Mm. Um, And so if you play with me now um, at a, at a table, almost certainly Zach will come with a, with a silly character or just a odd character uh, our friend Janine says that Zach comes with like the backwoods character almost every time, which is <laughs> probably true. like the character that's ignorant about everything and just going with the flow. Um, uh, and uh, so yeah, that's that's the thing that I picked up.
2: that's cool. yeah I, I do something very similar. i don't I don't necessarily necessarily play uh
1: Courage, yeah, yeah, courage, yeah, courage. Gert's recalling a character that he uh, yeah. he experienced in mine. Yeah,
2: I, I don't necessarily play, you know, f- weird, you know, weird off the wall characters, but I'll play the one that he doesn't have all the answers. Don't you don't want him to be the leader? No, you know, no. a lot of times he's going to end up being some kind of unintentional, not over the top, hopefully comedy relief.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you, John? Yeah, so for me,
0: mine is I know that I'm a, a dang dirty screener. I, I use the DM screen, but one of the things that my buddy Eck did a really great job of was using the, just the screen for dramatic advantage and the lack of the screen for dramatic advantage too. Like uh, folding up the screen at certain moments and putting it off to the side. And all right, he's and he go like whenever the the big fight happens. Like, after all this time getting to the big bad or whatever the mini boss, even the mini boss, sometimes, right? Or a a dramatic fight's coming up. It's like, and guess what? All the roles are in the open. Just so you know, because I want to, just so you know, there's no fudging on this end. The combat's going to end up unfolding the way that it does, right? Especially whenever there's a really important, if the, the fight or the encounter or the scene, there's like a turning point in it. Like then we're un- we're putting the screen away and we're like completely transparent in
1: order to ratchet up the tension uh, mm-hmm. in the in the moment. I love that. I love that. You know, I went to Origins this year with note cards and a pencil and a set of dice. And that's how I ran <laughs> Origins the whole no. weekend. I was like, oh, yeah. John, John, with his lack of screen and like like all that discussion that we've talked about. I'm like. Wonder if I could run it without any resources, and I did. So I, I pulled out one note card for every session, set it in front of me, set my set of dice in front of me, whipped out a pen. And I'm like, "All right, let's do this." You make me. You make my eye twitch, man. <laughs> <laughs> you make my eye twitch. It was so.
0: Yeah. Much uh, this fun. was like this past origins was probably the least prepared. I felt like that I was at a, for an in person just because of everything that was going yeah. on at the time. But even
1: like I had like. One set, quote unquote, set piece or map. And I just wore the hell out of it. To be fair, I brought a little collection of minis, but nothing, Mm -hmm. but what I didn't have was like a repertoire of like a screen and like, you know, things to stick on it for initiative and like all Mm -hmm. the tools of the DM. I'm like, can I run a game with just a note card? And it's actually pretty fun. Um, And and your players, uh, it was very enjoyable to watch them like look over and be like, that's what you're, uh, that's what you're running there. That what, yep. That's what you're rolling with, huh? Sure is. Sure is. That's right. Hey, better be sure. <laughs> yep. 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 Let's do it. Uh, well, that was good. I like that. Um, yep. uh, this was a good ep. I enjoyed it a lot. It was fun. Um, you know, we, we wrapped up in about an hour and a half, a little less. Uh, I think that's a win, um, for us. Um, went through a lot of clips, talked about a lot of things, um, I would like to hear... Here's what I would love to do. We've got our Discord chat. Um, If you have streams or maybe you don't watch streams and maybe you have podcasts that you think there's a really good episode with DM advice on it, um, that's not ours, um, or you have a, a YouTuber or a Twitch or something that you're like, this person... Or maybe it's a book or you know, something like that. This person gives great advice, or I try to emulate what how they present things. Let's have that discussion in our Discord. Uh, if you reach mm-hmm. out to us uh, on Facebook, Facebook messages—that's a great way. Um, Troy also tucks the um, the links into our um, our doobly do uh, our doobly do on the podcast feed, um, and uh, let's have that discussion over there because I am. I thoroughly enjoyed watching uh, these fellas uh, clips this week and I'd like to uh, like to check out yours as well. Absolutely. I like that. You and, uh, if, or if even if you've got like a, I'd like to see
0: some DM stories too. Some of the thing oh, the cool thing that your great. DM did that you that other people should know about or that you that if you feel like it's like that my my DM is a gift because of this is the way that they run games, and I absolutely love it. I mean, like I, I would love to hear those. My DM is awesome. Tales, why? You know why are they so be, awesome? You
2: know, I, I will, I will do you one better, John. How about we use my DM sucks at gmail.com? <laughs> just as as a as a collect all, a collect all. Okay. Uh, anybody out there listening on stream on the podcast wherever. If you've got a cool story and you don't want to write it all out, record us a video, give us a little, you know, or do an audio recording, email us those stories and we'll put those together as a special episode. If if you've got some cool stories, we want to hear them and we want to put them out there for other people to hear too. Because if if you think there's be an opportunity,
0: you can you can blow up your blow up your DM. Show them yep. how much you appreciate. There is like show your DMs some appreciation and some love, and we'll we'll help you do the same. We'll provide a platform for showing their greatness. Yeah. Hmm,
2: I would be happy awesome. to go through those and, and uh, put them together into an episode. That'd be cool. That'd be awesome.
1: All right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Uh, keep in mind, we've got special guests coming up uh, in the next week or so. So uh, be on the be on the lookout. Um, lots to do in the next week and a half before our, uh, Thanksgiving break here in the States. Uh, John and Troy, thanks a lot for hanging out with me on the podcast, on the live stream once again. Kill a lot, Bear Droid, Girk, uh, you all have been awesome. Anyone who's lurking out in the background. Hey,
2: Mosey. Mm -hmm. Another TV viewer. Casino, thanks. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. All right, and with that, until next week, we will see you next time.
0: Have a great game,
2: everybody.
1: You all stay safe out there.
0: Take care.